0: Welcome, podcast listeners. We have an excellent show for you today. Our guest co-founded his startup in 2016. His company leans on technology to make renting and leasing homes in India more flexible, simple, secure, and entirely online, offering enhanced lifestyle and experience in the home rental market. In today's episode, we discuss the story behind Ziffy Homes and how our guest and his co-founder are finding an edge in technology to offer a more unique platform to improve home rental utilization and experience. We touch on the current state of the Indian home rental market and the opportunities Ziffy Homes is addressing right now. We get into competition and what it takes to grow in this industry. This Y Combinator-backed company has experienced incredible growth, but we also walk through some challenges the team has faced and even some lessons learned along the way. This episode is brought to you by 10 East. Long-time listeners know I've invested in private markets quite a bit myself, but with access to these markets broadening, it can be hard to know where to find vetted, high-quality offerings. That's where 10 East comes in. 10 East is a platform where qualified investors can co-invest on a deal-by-deal basis across private equity, private credit, real estate, venture, and other one-off opportunities, typically unavailable through traditional channels. They're founded and led by Michael LaFell, who spent his early career building Davidson Kempner and who invest material personal capital in every offering they bring to the platform, aligning interests with 10 East members who co invest at their discretion. Join numerous founders, executives, and portfolio managers from leading investment firms who use 10 East to diversify their personal portfolios. Inquire for membership at 10East.co. That's the number 10East.co. Please enjoy this episode with Ziffy Homes co founder, Sanchal Ranjan. Welcome to the show, Sancho Runjan. Thank you. Sancho, you are all the way halfway across the world. It's almost midnight there. Tell the listeners where you're located.
1: I'm talking from Gurgaon in India. Yeah, it's eleven forty PM. You're right. And I'm really excited to talk through for another one hour. I think I came back from office about half an hour from before, so I don't mind. It's early for me.
0: Life of an entrepreneur or weekend understand those days well. Lack of sleep, its rewarding, but very exhausting. All right, so talk to me a little bit. You are the founder of Ziffy Homes. Tell our listeners, broad overview of what is Ziffy?
1: We are a corporate hospitality brand. We provide long-term living spaces for working professionals.
0: Is that something that didn't exist in India? Is that something that was just not done well? What's the story?
1: Yeah, it's, much of an evolved version of what you usually see as unorganized service apartments or different builders operating their own assets so what we are essentially doing is that we are standardizing more supplies that we create with the help of builders we work with them we standardize the supply and we have a uniform platform where you can find all list of services like not only the rooms but also laundry, housekeeping, food. So it's more of like a lifestyle platform that takes you away from all your daily course and it gives you more flexibility, more time to spend with your friends, family. It has a small co-working space if you want. There are a lot of people who work out of their home or they have different policies. They are freelancers, they are consultants, they are architects who are on different assignments working from one place to other. So there the are whole set of people who currently want to have a hassle-free living space, which is not essentially just your room, but the kind of people you want to stay with, you choose to stay with. And more or less, have you what we have seen quite recently is that the globalization is becoming more and more prominent in different parts of country. And same is happening with India. Like, you know, you have lots of supplies already, but people lack standardizing these particular spaces. And because of globalization, people love to travel, love to move. A lot of people who are not Indians, they come outside from different places and they work on different projects. On site with their clients, with their customers, there are a lot of nomads, travelers, who frequently visit for different reasons, for different experiences. So it's more of like just like Airbnb provides you a more reliable platform to book your holiday experience in different parts of world. What we are doing is that we are working closely with builders and standardizing supply so that we improve utilization, we improve your experience and. We give you a different lifestyle to work and play both.
0: And so is this a trend? Is this like as far as industry dynamics? And you can weave in, if you want to, a little bit of the foundation of the idea. Is this something you kind of looked around and said, this doesn't exist in India? Or is this a trend that I see happening globally? Or is this something that you said, no, it's actually a lot more driven by the millennial cohort? Because, man, back in my 20s and 30s, I would have loved... Some of these situations where you don't have the long term commitments or whatever it may be about having kind of a turnkey sort of situation. Tell me a little bit about the foundation and the idea and kind of what was the inspiration?
1: Correct. So, inspiration was mostly about when I graduated from college and I started working with the KPMG and I eventually moved to Deloitte when I joined in Delhi. And that's the time when me and my partner saw of both we struggled to find a more reliable more comfortable more flexible space that we are looking at and I had to eventually change my house three times in next six months every time I was finding a compatibility with with maybe the people I'm staying with or how far is it from my office or the kind of food I'm getting or maybe it's closer to the market or the suburb area that or how far is the downtown from here so there are a lot of factors which always came into the picture and I thought like you know why we have different things in different places why can't we be assured about the services all happening at one place at a time where I can be just focusing on work and changing house is not something which is as easy as installing one app and uninstalling the other one. So it's a high threshold, high movement key area. So that was one of the inspiration that brought me and my partner sort of together to explore this particular area. We started with a couple of houses and we realized that, yeah, I mean, people really need this. We were able to sell three apartments in just two days. Like 12 people signed up in two days and they became the tenants. So we thought like, hey, this is something which is really desired people are looking forward to it and we had a wait list of more than 20 people who would want to offer such spaces so that was the moment for us to particularly start and being a first-time entrepreneur we never really looked into a huge market possibility in a way we got lucky that we eventually a co-living as an industry has become so huge and people start following the trend of choosing options which are more reliable, which are more comfortable. And that's what this platform provides. And as far as we talk about India, so if you talk about the numbers specifically, the occupancy rate in India is drastically low as compared to what you would find in San Francisco or New York is because of less standardized property. And that's something close to around 55 to 60%. So imagine 40% of buildings which are ready to move Essentially, I mean, you know, you can just go and stay in these properties, but people don't have access because of a couple of reasons. One, the house owners or the asset owners, they don't have platforms or hospitality partners like us who can provide them good rental yield on their assets that's one and that's why rental yield also in india is very low if you would compare to developed countries like in us probably in san francisco or in new york which is more than four or five percent currently and it's more if you actually consider the x factor that a co-living platform brings into the picture that's not there yet in india and that particular scale that's one secondly if you talk about standardization so the supply that we are actually talking about requires a lot of extra renovation work furnishing branding adding common spaces like uh, probably a small co-working area or a cafeteria or a place where you can can sit and have lunch and dinner or if you are calling your friends you, you can have a party or a cinema place or something like that so these kind of spaces are not co-living compatible. And that's why a lot of work needs to be put into eventually transform the spaces. And in return, those house owners gets a reliable partner, which can help them generate a better rental yield. So these two important factors is something that's still keeping us ahead into our journey and helping a lot of house owners in return.
0: So walk me forward a little bit. So you started out with the idea, you wrangled up a handful of properties and said, okay, maybe this has legs. How did you then go about scaling that and starting to build the flywheel of the company and to where you are today? So what would that have been? What year were we when we first got started? Was this 2016?
1: Yeah, it was 2016, September, month of September. That's when we started off. Being a first-time entrepreneur, you have a lot of questions. You have unimaginable things to think about. You're bound to make mistakes. We made a lot of mistakes. You need funds. Access of fund is also another constraint where you're scaling. You need really good team. You need really good people who believe in you as founders, who believe in you on the concept side, and they also believe on the product. So so we started off with three Me and my partner, that's all. There was no team. And then we eventually did the same repetitive cycle up till 10 more apartments. That's when we realized that we need an infrastructure around it. We need a product. We need to have a CRM to manage our leads. Back then, I was doing it on a pen and paper, keeping note of all the people whom I showed a house and following up on them. So everything and anything that we did was more of self-learned, need-based mechanism. And we started building on top of it. And as and when we went along with the journey, we realized that a lot of infrastructure resources are already available. There are a lot of SaaS products which help you manage home inventory at one single place. We started doing that. We hired really good people who have great sales background skills who have worked in real estate for quite some time who would actually help us to penetrate more supply as we speak about and so yeah i mean since then then we in 2018 is when we got into y combinator where we raised funds and we had more people we have now more than 15 we have launched more than 15 locations across india and We have a team size of 55 people. We have more than 1,400 rooms. And yeah, we are scaling fast.
0: Tell me a little bit about the Y Combinator process. I don't know if we've had another Y Combinator company on the show. So uh, tell me a little bit about the app. A lot of our listeners probably be pretty interested about the whole application process. How is the actual experience going through Y Combinator and and the whole summary that? That would have been when, 2017?
1: 2018 2018 2018 so we were part of 2018 summer cohort of Y Combinator When we were the part of Y Combinator the the process of getting into Y Combinator was something which was not very much visible there were like kind of three to four companies in every batch from India
0: and that's out of how many
1: that's out of like around maybe 80 companies 85 companies is what I remember during our batch. And so, yeah, I mean, process. So let's see how I figured out and how exactly the process runs. So essentially, we were, from the Y Combinator's perspective, also, we are a late-stage company. Essentially, there are a lot of people who have not even launched, who just have a business idea. So I believe that it's ideal for all these stages because it comes with a lot of value addition, like the kind of people you need, your immediate network expansion becoming a global entrepreneur is very very exciting as a journey in itself and it helps you with any problem that you come the entire community comes together and helps you with any problem or anything that you that you are stuck at so essentially your learning curve across your entrepreneur journey improves drastically so it starts with a very simple application process and if you get through you have an interview with one of the partners in y combinator and if they like the idea you get selected they invest so in our batch it was 120000 dollars was what invested by y combinator and i think nowadays it's more than 150000 dollars so it gives you a head start by giving you the capital by giving you the right guidance, right set of people. More importantly, what I've realized after my experience with YC is that now your reach towards global entrepreneurs has improved probably 10,000 times because this is the number of founders you actually get to reach to from different parts parts of this planet as a whole. You want to import something from China, you have founders from china you want to have engineers from india you have founders from india you want to have access to capital from investors based out of us you have founders from us you want to have a better understanding of how's the market size maybe in indonesia you can do that so all different set of people come together people who have worked in very different kind of products. So if you talk about laterally what the kind of categories exist starting from biotechnology towards aerospace, automation, machine learning, analytics, operations, so a hell lot of new ideas which comes into the picture. So essentially those three months of Y Combinator is something that evolves you probably if you're not a part of YC or some really reputable accelerator platform. Then you as an individual entrepreneur would probably take much more time to reach to a stage of launching your product than being into a part of that cohort. So that's something which is a real value addition than money. And secondly, you get to the demo day. Once you are ready with your pitch, once you're ready with your product or at least a prototype of, of your product, then you get to have Sudden exposure to more than thousands of global investors who are coming to fund you. So, how it works is basically this entire funding ecosystem is more inclined towards the founders or probably giving you a more founder friendly environment to raise funds very fast and go back and focus on your product. So, essentially, fundraising should not become a full-time job for you to rather than work at a cost of what you can do on your product. So that's a very important and that's a very beautiful concept, according to me. I wish we could have, you know, done that earlier. And so, yeah, I see that visibility for Indian companies towards Y Combinator has drastically improved. In the recent batch, there were probably more than 25 companies out of 130 companies who were the part of the cohort. So, that's happening. Yeah.
0: So the demo day experience must have been pretty exciting, nerve wracking. What was the follow on? I mean, yeah, at that point, probably some investors interested. So, I mean, you would bootstrap the company, then did Y Combinator. What happened out? you came out of demo day?
1: So there were a series of investments. I mean, the potential of demo day is limitless. I've seen companies who have raised more than 45 million in their series a and all that happened only through your starting interaction on demo day so and then there are companies who raise the average uh, investment that you can say is close to around starting from a million dollar check and it can go up to three to four million depending upon how a company is performing usually a company is performing good or they're so it's basically if you're a hot company, and being a hard company does not really mean that you get to become a successful company. So it's all happening as a matter of traction, the matter of the team, the founders, and how your business model or how your idea is clicking with the existing needs of customer. How big is the market? What's the track record of a founder as well? So it happened. It worked out good for us. We had good revenue. So we had a track record to prove over there. And immediately, a lot of investors got excited, and the space is hot. So we, we raised uh, close to around $2.5 million from our demo day. And I'm sure a lot of companies uh, raised better than what we did. And maybe lesser than what we did in both the cases, irrespective of how much money you raise during demo day, it happened really fast for a lot of companies. They were able to raise probably more than 2 million in just one or two days. And that's how fast and that's how effectively it works for all the companies, which are the part of the bat. So I believe, yeah, I mean, that's been the value addition. And then you go back, you focus on your product. And imagine that you're not only carrying money along with you, you're carrying your three months y c experience where you had been trained with all the industry experts, including Y Combinator partners, and then you remain constant touch through our internal portal called Bookface, and your all y c partners are always there to probably get you out of soup or get you out of some problems that you're facing and then we have our internal whatsapp groups for india founders or the us founders and then you have it's a close community so that's why it helps it's very much connected and i'm sure that whatever problem that you're building a product for whatever product that you're building eventually and if you're stuck in a problem people have really smart way around to help you out of that situation so that's a great value addition
0: So you guys were able to secure some funding. And then what has been the sort of growth plans and trajectory since that time? So we are fast forward, maybe what is that a year and a half to today? How did you manage that growth expansion? I mean, is the main vision new cities? Is it increasing services to the current tenants? Is it increasing the keys in the cities you're in what's been the whole kind of vision
1: our business model so we are betting on good builders building good supplies so from demo day till today we have grown more than eight times in terms of revenue we are doing close to around five million dollars in ARR annual fund rate and we are growing close to around 20 percent on MOM basis month-on-month basis and we have expanded to more locations. We have added more number of tenants. So so priority. So as a company, it works in different directions at the same time. It's about adding more values to existing customers. So we have a different team who looks after that. And then at the same time, we are building new supplies. We are building our pipeline so that we can launch in coming months. We are launching in three different cities in next three to four months. That includes Bangalore, and that includes Pune and Hyderabad as well. So I would say that, yeah, and we have done a lot in terms of what our product was before YC and how it has evolved even today. It's something which is very different in terms of our offerings to our existing customers. We are building a, a very enclosed community because YC also gives you or makes you understand that The value of community is something which is more priceless, that's more inclusive, that gives customer an idea that you are exclusive. You are an exclusive person who gets to be a part of that particular community. So we have learned a lot and we are slowly, it's not a one-day job. So for, for us, what we are doing is we are building an inclusive community and eventually that exclusiveness of that community is dependent on how fast we are building and what the kind of people we are adding to that particular community. So that's very exciting. I'm really excited about how that works out for us. We have now, with the help of bigger companies, which are already part of YC, we, we are also including WhatsApp as one of our channel of acquisition or distribution towards our customers. So that's something I'm really excited about. Could you explain that?
0: What do you mean by that?
1: So if you see WhatsApp has a very high interaction penetration in India. So if you'd find more than 80, 85% of people who have smartphones and an internet connection in India, they are on WhatsApp. So given that high penetration of digitalization towards a communication platform, gives you an edge to be in touch with your customer very promptly, the conversion happens very fast. So if you have an API integration with WhatsApp, that's something which is very, very helpful to not only in terms of acquiring new customers, but also being in touch with existing customers, something like referral or something like building a close group of community or people or even if you have any service request that you have to put on or pass on as a feedback to Homes, So all these things, all this communication has become very prompt with use of WhatsApp. People don't want to have 100 apps for one thing, and then everyone is on WhatsApp. So that's very exciting and has made life easier for a lot of companies, I believe, in India, because a lot of businesses are based on WhatsApp as a platform itself, like e-commerce platforms out there who are just dependent on WhatsApp and doing huge revenue. So, so I believe that these are the changes that we are seeing. And with every change that's coming into our way, we are very excited how we can work together with these new products.
0: So I imagine, and uh, you can speak to this, but the biggest headache on scaling, or at least one of them, scaling a business in your industry is, I imagine there's got to be a fair amount of client interaction as far as the tenants. Because I mean, the the, the the rental marketplace, I mean, the only time people contact their landlords or people that are managing property is, is when things break or they have complaints. And There's a full spectrum, of course, of tenants. There's the ones that'll fix things themselves and the ones that'll probably call you every single day that the faucet is leaking. How do you deal with that? Is that one of the bigger hurdles as far as scaling, just interacting with the end tenant? Or is that something you guys try to use technology to intercede? What's the general approach to that?
1: Correct. So that's a great question. So you're right. First thing is that we are changing that perception. So usually... You, as a landlord, and you have the tenant's number saved on your phone. If you get a call from that person, you already know that there is some issue. Like that's how the perception has been built that, you know, oh my God, he's calling. What's leaking today? So that's how it's been built up. That's how historically it has been. One, we are changing that. I'll come to that part how we are changing that. Now, how do we solve this problem using technology? Is that every single person so the traditional way how hospitality worked was that you have a concierge services available in a hotel to go and speak to a receptionist or go and speak to a person who's who's going to attend you and solves your problem like this and you're a happy customer over there and that works in hotels because you can't stay forever in a hotel it's a high-end cost So we have built a concierge services inside Ziffy Homes application itself. So your application always speaks to you. So you have an issue, then you just with the help of a couple of tabs, you can report it. And every location has a decentralized format of neighborhood managers within an hour that neighborhood manager with the help of depending upon the kind of problem that you face they have a tat of one hour to report back with the solution and that makes you feel very comfortable because over here the responsibilities are divided escalation metrics is there and you don't really need to call someone and then you say that hey it's a very odd hour maybe i'll come back tomorrow and check i'm running out of time or something like that so that process itself everyone who's a tenant has feels more powerful today because they know that using the app they have solution to everything now coming back to how we manage that is something that so we have a reserve in place all the time for all the location that whatever leakages or repair and maintenance or whatever cost that is associated can be immediately paid and resolved. So you pay the money because you take reserve of 1% of your revenue from all locations, irrespective of there is any issue or not. So that funds are always available at disposal whenever you need to basically contact. And now they are impaneled vendors. So the moment you raise a concern, not only the neighborhood manager, but the impaled, impaneled vendor also immediately gets your request. And by the time you get a response or a solution to that problem, that impanel panel manager is also on its way to effectively handle the situation on the ground. So it's more of like taking a precautionary measure in advance and powering you with technology rather than being skeptical and waiting for a call and becoming frizzy about, you know, hey, this guy is again calling me and I'm in trouble. That's one thing. Now. Not only that, that you're going to call your tenant for when your rent check is due or the tenant is calling you when something is leaking. What we have done is that nowadays people are calling us, hey, when is the next party? When are we going to have fun? Uh, Because we have these community events. We have very frequently, we have organized people that they, they should enjoy, they should have fun. There's so many people who are staying at the same location and they need to interact. They need to meet people physically and there are a lot of people being part of that exclusive community contributes value that it adds on to your fun flavor. And when it starts doing that, you start enjoying it rather than so there are two approach. One is like taking preventive measures and being very proactive and taking your tenants as your friends and building that community. That's what we do as a company, which is enabled by technology, which has a great hospitality experience. And then it comes that landlord-tenant relationship. We are like very protective and conservative about getting your rental due checks and becoming frizzy about the issues which are there. So that's how we look at that.
0: So you're now in 2020, it's a new decade. Where do you guys stand? You're doing a little expansion. Are you going to have to eventually raise some more fundraising? Is it something you're just going to kind of chill out for a while and try to grow organically? Are you going to expand into other countries? What's the next decade look like? What's the future look like?
1: Correct. So a very how we see this particular space is very differently than what investors usually are very much skeptical about the space in itself that you burn a lot of cash so one thing is about clearing the air over here that we are profitable on each and every location that we operate that's the point number one so it's not so co living is not a money losing business it's about money making business you're making money you're basically managing assets which are worth millions to those house owners and if you're managing those assets and you're providing good returns to them that means you are a great finance guy who knows how to do the stuff. And all these banks, all these wealth management managers are doing great job. And so is the responsibility on founders like us to prove that this business model works. We are generating X amount of revenue for you. So that's one. As far as the fundraising goes, so one that the goal that we wanted to always achieve is that being profitable on each and every location we are. And we have raised, other than the equity, we have raised debt also. We are using debt for the use of working capital to expand to different locations, which is working out really well for us. We have a great payback period of less than 18 months. So whatever investment we do, it comes back within 18 months, and then we can like deploy that funds to for, for the new location. So expansion is something which is happening irrespective of whether we raise more equity funds or not. But yeah, as we progress our journey or as we see our business growing on a day-to-day basis, we have a great growth rate currently. and As much as there is a huge demand of such spaces, I believe this market is really huge and has a long way to cater to different segments. So we are looking at working professionals. There are students, there are nomads, there are business travelers. So there are a lot of people who actually their families, kids. So all these people need similar kind of spaces at some point of time and that industry is evolving. So. So yeah, eventually we do have plans. We, the investors who have already shown interest and you can say that if we have the really right set of investor with whom you really want to work, it's a futuristic approach. It's a long-term game. Someone who's being very impatient about becoming a product viral, like TikTok, maybe in a couple of years and taking your money back is not going to work out in this particular space. So we are looking for people who are more futuristic, who see consistent revenue or positive cash flow as a great thing to happen in this particular space. And with that approach, maybe you'd be looking forward to raising more funds in, in the coming six or eight months.
0: Tell me a little bit about what do you think some of the biggest challenges are? And you can also feel free to look backwards on this and tell me if there's been any particular memorable challenges. I mean, I imagine as somewhat of a landlord that you, you could probably tell stories for the rest of the night. Anything come to mind as to any of the particular struggles or challenges of either the past or looking into the future
1: too? Yeah. I mean, it took us a bit of time to realize that finance is the most critical aspect of running this business. So probably we were more frenzy about or maybe overexcited about how the startup ecosystem is, people who are raising millions and billions of dollars. And so that was a very different approach. And I think we could have built more robust solution at a very early stage when we started off. We could have been more proactive towards our financial approach of accounting and which we are doing right now. But I wish I could go back and change. Maybe we would have scaled faster or maybe we would have been probably doing more than a couple of times the revenue that we are doing today. That's one that comes on top of my mind. And, And yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, like we went to YC quite later than we could have done probably when, I mean, I could have done that on the day one and we would have had a better start we would not have like to reinvent the wheel at our very initial stages of um, expansion so yeah those things house owners and tenants i mean you know a lot of people have been really good friends of mine one of my house owners has been my angel investor as well so yeah i mean i mean that was a great validation for me. He used to run a very huge insurance company and he owned a couple of properties. We were a bunch of kids and we were managing this entire thing. He liked the idea. He trusted us with his million dollar property. That's one. And we did a great job over there and then he ended up investing in us. So, so yeah, I mean, those are good memories. Bad ones were few where we, ha- we could have had better control on financials maybe. And yeah, there are a lot of security-based features that we built eventually that could have le- helped a lot of people, a lot of girls probably at the very early stage of being our customers. And yeah, I mean, every day I, I feel that you know we can do so much more. Probably when we would be having this conversation three years from now, I would have told you that, hey, why didn't I realize this today on our first call? And I would have been doing it on the other day. So... There's so many things.
0: I'll set a calendar reminder for 2023 (laughs) and you can come back on. You guys have gone and acquired a few companies. What is the state of competitors in India right now? Is it more like old school sort of just very kind of companies that have been around forever that are managing properties? I mean, are there a fair amount of digital sort of first competitors? What's the landscape look like at 2020?
1: So usually most of, the supplies On the supply side, we compete mostly with the landowners who lack technology, who don't have an in-house design team to take care of standardization that we do. So that makes our job easier. The market is very huge. If you talk about the real competitors over here, is that the entire offline market that exists and they lack technology? And that's the main reason that's keeping us ahead of our acquisition that's keeping us ahead of our gameplay in this particular industry we acquired Bella homes one of our competitors they were great guys i love those founders in fact one of those founders was the person who actually forwarded me the yc application link so i'd be always to this guy they had applied they got rejected and somehow we got accepted when we applied so that was a great thing that happened. And it was a very strategical move to acquire these companies. One was basically to expand our reach to more number of customers in a very short period of time because uh, our unit economics were much more stronger than what they were doing at that point of time. And then we were ready to expand. We're, we would have anyways ended up expanding the supply and hiring more people into our team and moving to new cities and new locations. And that helped us to achieve at a much faster rate. There were a great set of investors who were working with the company that we acquired, which eventually became our investors. So that's, again, one great value addition that happened through that particular transaction. More of about the competition, if we say about co-living, OYO is, again, Soyo is, again, into a lot of things. They're into co-working as well. They're into hotels primarily, and they are trying to do co-living as well. So we see that as a long-term competition, maybe in this particular space, because if you actually compare the kind of supply I'm talking about, that's huge. There are more than 60 million working professionals who are migrants, who are staying away from their homes. And all these people need putable, standardized, lifestyle format for themselves. So it's a huge market in itself. And anyone who is really smart to build that technology and scale faster is going to do well. They can all make money. They can all coexist into this particular space. It's not winner takes it all kind of a model. And uh, eventually, when the time is right, there might be some consolidation that might happen and we want to be on the right side of that. So yeah, I mean, that's something which is there. There are a lot of new companies. I believe that building a very strong, robust technology product and having the right unit economics, that's very important. We have seen SoftBank going very aggressive about WeWork. So that's a very sentimental thing towards anything that starts with Co. And whether it's a money-making business or it's money-losing business. And, and these questions are something which, is, which will find their answers in the coming time. And everyone has to be really, really disciplined towards their business model and their unit economics. Yeah.
0: We work always a cautionary example of the 20 things not to be doing as a company. So Sancho, you're on the ground in India. I've actually never been very high on my to-do list. So when I'm heading over there, I'll download the app and you can set me up. Talk to me a little bit about the differences of just simply the scale and the kind of boots on the ground overview of India and where it stands as a country in relation to what you guys are doing.
1: Correct. So I believe today India is a great geography to look at. We have already seen big companies like Amazon or Walmart or PayPal. All these companies they have made huge amount of investment. IKEA they have made huge amount of investments in this existing ecosystem. And all these companies, WhatsApp, TikTok. If you talk about all these companies, they have even for that matter of Facebook. They have like one of the highest revenue centers based out of India, and that's happening for a couple of reasons. One is like more and more population in India is getting access to internet. So, so far, this industry has been there existing just as a number that is shown in GDP. But right now, given, given the size of the population, the demand that exists today, and this population is now becoming digital in nature, so, so every industry has a great potential to expand and to cater that demand as fast as possible. So so I've met a lot of investors based out of US because we are a US-based company, essentially. And being a YC company, we have pretty much good access to a lot of investors based out of Valley. So I'd say that there are a lot of funds who are already global, who have either shown interest to invest in India. And I believe that a lot of people are catching up and a lot of people need to catch up fast because that's where a lot of, population is getting exposed towards the digital transformation that is happening a lot of people are signing up for amazon netflix whatsapp the customers are still growing today and digital wallet finance system fintech companies there's so many fintech companies there are so many msmes medium and small size businesses which are which are becoming online which are doing business on so many e-commerce platforms like that of flipkart which is owned by walmart or amazon so i see it's a huge opportunity and everyone should have a great amount of exposure and and probably entrepreneurs like us has that ownership to provide the right data set for them to take the right investment decisions on basis of respective thesis that they follow
0: And what's the status of, you went to two pretty classic universities in India. Is the entrepreneur sort of mindset, are a lot of your friends go the more traditional engineering route? Is entrepreneurship in general something that's really taking hold as far as ecosystem over there? What's the kind of general sort of feeling?
1: So just like how I see it is that people see Stanford, Massachusetts and Yale probably as as a validation that you probably have faced a lot of competition. You have probably worked hard to get there. So irrespective of what you have learned, you know how to struggle and to be standing one of those toppers among the crowd. So that's a great validation. So similarly in India, if you talk about that, its and NITs, one of these NIMs are the validation that you have probably penetrated a huge crowd to become one on that crowd. So that's essentially you end up either learning about engineering or becoming a coder or it's about becoming a management study student. What makes you different from all the people in the crowd is that you know how to stand differently. You know the struggle, so probably the chances of you becoming successful, and a lot of people put bets on those people is because you have seen that competition and you stand ahead of the crowd. So, so I see that's why people those who are from these colleges they definitely have an edge. But yeah, that's true at a certain for a certain period of time. Paytm, one of the India's largest financial you know, fintech solution or a payment provider, they have, There are now a lot of things actually. So the founder of that, Vijay Shekhar Sharma, he is not from any of those IITs. So he has shown his perseverance across the journey of his life, running a company for more than 10, 12 years before it became that successful, that famous Alibaba investor into, into it, so, so yeah, I mean, there are exceptions, but, Even in YC, more than 60% founders are from IIT. So people place their bets that way.
0: Sancho, if people want to follow you, what you're up to, what's going on with your company, if they want to start to rent some of your properties when they're in India, what's the best ways to find you? Where's the best place to keep up with what you're up to?
1: So we are at www.ziffyhomes.com. At Twitter, it's at Ziffy Homes. You can reach out to me on Twitter. That's at Sancho R. Anything that runs through our website, we are the entire team is very excited to speak to people. Those who pass through, or those who put on their request, or they want to show around any of the properties, and more importantly for you, map. Like if you are coming to India, just you need to you need you know how to reach out to me. Just give me a call, shoot me an email, and for especially those who want to have a trip plan to India, I would love to provide them our hospitality and have a great experience in in incredible India as well.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Sancho, thanks for joining us today and best of luck to you in your company's endeavors in the 2020s.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Ma'am. I really had fun enjoying having this conversation and we so much look forward to 2020 being another great year for us.
0: Listeners will add show notes to Sancho, his company, everything we talked about today at medfavor.com forward slash podcast. You can shoot us questions, thoughts, suggestions, criticisms at feedback at the Show.com. Love to read the reviews. Leave us one. We promise we read them all. Subscribe the show, iTunes, Breaker, anywhere good podcasts are found. Thanks for listening, friends, and good investing.